Good to be here, and what a treat to have music on a Wednesday night. It's been a while since we had music on a Wednesday night over here. What a treat. We are going to be in John chapter 5 tonight. John chapter 5. As you find your place in your Bibles. If you recall, you all know and welcome visitors, but we're teaching on Wednesday nights and preaching through a series called Questions. And it's not about the questions that we have. We have so many of them. It's about the questions that Jesus asked those around him and that Jesus still asks us today. If you remember, there was four points in the opening service, and I cover this every week because we need to remember this. Why Jesus? Why the Lord who knows it all? Why is he asking us questions? And it was because he loves and he cares for us. He asked questions. You ask questions of people you care about. It's because he wants to create a conversation. He wants to create a conversation with us. It's in order that we will have some self-discovery because when you self-discover things about yourself through answering questions and things like that, you learn some things about yourself. You, you might face some things about yourself you wouldn't face if the question wasn't asked of you. And then finally, and the main thing is because of choice. It's all because of choice. You have a choice of how you're going to answer when you're asked a question, you have a choice of whether or not you're going to accept Christ as your Savior. Last week, our question was, what will you have me do for you? What will you have me do for you? And we learned that there are many reasons that people follow Jesus. Many reasons, different reasons, healings, to see the miracles, just to see him work, and for salvation, for a true touch of God, to truly get to know him. Tonight, we're in John chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 2. Now, there is at Jerusalem by sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt-withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him and said, Sir, I have uh, no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise and take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. On the same day was the Sabbath. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this evening, Lord. I thank you for the children. What a pleasure it is, Lord, to have the children over here to be able to preach and to teach them tonight, God, and the visitors. I thank you for that, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you fill me up tonight, Lord, and fill me up with your word and let it just flow out and let it be your spirit. Let it all be you tonight, Lord, and just set me aside. I pray for our pastor as he's traveling as he's uh, traveling for a little relaxation and traveling to the, to the beach today, Lord, I, I pray you keep him safe. I pray you allow this break and this uh, few days to just re-energize him, to, 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 to lift his spirits up, God, and to charge his batteries uh, as he comes back to lead us. We pray for him, keep him safe, and bring him back safe to us Sunday morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you believe that in... 2014, 
31% of the prescriptions that were issued, that were filled, were never even picked up from the pharmacy. They were never even picked up from the pharmacy. A recent poll of people of adults revealed that over 50% of adults admitted that they failed to take their prescribed medicines like they're supposed to do. If it's a medicine that must be taken four times a day, that number went up to 75% failed to take it. Just stop and think about that for a minute. Adults, sick enough to go to a doctor, sick enough to pay that doctor's bill, and that that ain't cheap nowadays, sick enough to have a prescription sent in, sick enough to maybe even pay for that prescription, They're sick, they're hurting, they have an ailment bad enough to seek all of that help, to go sit in a waiting room with all them other sick people. And yet they fail to complete the required treatment needed to get well. They fail to take the medicine that's given to them. Are not each and every one of us in this room, I know I am, guilty of that at some point or another. We're, uh, we're guilty of that. When I, when I hear that story, I think, I think of Naaman and Elisha and how, how Elisha told him, says, go dip yourself in the Jordan, in the Jordan River. Go dip, dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times and your leprosy, the un- incurable leprosy will be healed. And yet Naaman would refusing to do it. His pride wouldn't allow him to do it. And yet, and his servants around him said, Master, wouldn't, if he told you to do some great and wonderful thing to be healed, to, to go climb this magic, this wonderful hard mountain, and, or if he, if, if he told you to do this real difficult hard thing, wouldn't, wouldn't you go do it in a minute, in a second, to believe that you would be healed? Now, paraphrasing here, but that's basically what they were telling him. If, if he told you to do something difficult, wouldn't you just go do it in a second? Wouldn't you believe it? Wouldn't you trust it? Why won't you do something as simple as dip yourself into that river seven times? And it's pride. And it's pride. And and it affects us all. In essence, Jesus is asking this man, he's asking him, do you want to get well? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to get well? We see in this verse, it's a certain man. And it says he's laying by the sheep market pool called Bethesda, with an infirmity of 38 years, laying there, waiting, waiting, waiting for the waters to stir, praying, begging to be the first in to be healed. There's a lot in that like that right there. I, I love that word, certain man. There, there, there's a certain man. I like it because it could be any one of us. It could be any person. It could, it could be. It said there was a multitude there of folk there but of it, with infirmities. But, but, it, but he went up and there was a certain man. We're surrounded all the time by the lost. We're surrounded by those all the time that don't know Jesus. We're surrounded all the time uh, by this world. And yet, and yet God, the Holy Spirit, it always draws a certain man. It, al- it always draws a certain man like you or like me. And, and, and that's a beautiful thing. I love it. Because that, a certain, it means to be sure and fixed and determined, a, a particular one. And I'm thankful I'm saved. I, I'm thankful that Jesus comes directly to us. He draws directly us to him, to the cross. And I'm thankful for that. But then it says it is a sheep market pool. 
Now, scholars say this pool was outside the temple, perhaps between the, uh, the temple and the sheep gate. The sheep gates described in Nehemiah 3.1 and also 3.32. And I never really noticed that before. I always pictured when, I, when I've read these verses, Rusty, I always pictured this pool to be like a, with the porches, I always pictured it to be like this exotic Roman bath pool. You know, I always pictured it to be like this, this exotic, very beautiful type pool that, that people were lounging around, people were sitting around and, and, and getting in and bathing in. But, but it says it, says it, was, a, it was the sheep market pool. It's surrounded by sheep. It's surrounded by livestock. I had never really noticed that before, but, but can you imagine? Can you imagine the atmosphere around the pool? I don't, I, don't, I don't think it was a, a clean type Roman bath at all now, now that I think about it. And I think, of, I mean, the livestock and just the odor around it. I, I don't imagine the Roman, I don't imagine the elite were sunbathing around that pool too much. And yet it was surrounded by a multitude. It was surrounded by a multitude of people. I wonder, did anyone actually get a healing? Or I mean, who, who would who would? Or was this just some was this some rumor? Was this something that maybe the elite started to keep the infirmed, to keep the sick, to keep the unwanted at that location versus the other locations, maybe around around Jerusalem? I, I don't know. The sheep market pool, it fits us in that description. I was like that one day. Often through God's word, we're described as sheep. John 21, 17, he asked Peter, feed my sheep. John 10, 11, I'm a good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth, giveth his life for his sheep. Matthew 10, 16, behold, I send you forth as sheep into the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Lost sheep, sheep led astray, sheep at the market needing to be bought, dirty sheep needing to be cleansed once again. A certain sheep, a certain man, a certain man, no hope, no ability, no way to do it himself, no possible way in getting it done ourselves. Years and years and years he laid right by the answer, right by the cure, right by the healing. He's right there by it. And yet never making it in. Seeing others get the healing, seeing others get the blessing, seeing others get the joyful life, seeing others get the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness that he so desperately wanted. Can I tell you, how often do we see the healing that's available to us, and yet, just like those people in the beginning that don't pick up the prescription, that don't take the medicine, that, that don't follow through with the prescribed treatment, we don't actually want the healing that's right before us. I mean, surely... This man, if he's laying by the pool, surely he could have 
rolled off into it before someone else walked into it. Surely he could have maybe put his hand into it before someone else stepped off into it. Surely there was something possibly that he could have done that, that would have might have brought him the healing. Can I tell you, it is amazing, it is amazing what we get used to. And Jesus asked him, do, do you want to be healed? Do you really want to be made whole? And, and, and it is amazing sometimes how our infirmities, how the things that trouble us the most, how if it's something like that, that that we deal with and that we hold on to for a month, maybe we could shed it. When I get the flu, I like to get rid of it in a few weeks. But there are affirmities within us. There are affirmities each and every one of us have within our lives. There are stumbling blocks. There, there are things in our lives each and every one of us have. But they have been there for 38 years. They have been there for quite a while. And, and we don't necessarily want to shed them. It, almost, it becomes our identity. It almost becomes who we are. It, be, it, becomes, it becomes who we are to other people. It becomes who we are and how we act. If I get, if I get rid of this, how, who am I going to be? What, what am I going to be like? How am I going to act? And how are other people going to see me if I get rid of this? And, and, and it, it's amazing to me. It almost becomes our identity. Jesus asks... Not just that certain man, but he asked you directly, do you want to be healed? How many here have that infirmity? Sitting right here tonight, maybe have a sickness, been troubling you for years. Maybe you're sitting here depressed. Maybe you're sitting here beat down. Maybe you're sitting here lonely. Maybe you're sitting here with, with whatever, whatever miserable condition that you've been suffering with for years. And yet, you refuse to take the prescription. Refuse to accept the healing that's right there for you. Listen, I know I, I have been in my job for 30 years. I'll desire, I'll want to go full-time ministry. I really do. I could retire. And yet... There's a little bit of me, as much as I hate that job when I go in, Rusty, there's that little bit of me that says, you won't be officer chain tomorrow. You've been officer chain for 30 years, 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, at times 70 and 80 hours a week. You have been officer chain for 30 years, and yet, are you ready to turn that loose? And that, that's a scary thing. It's, it's who I am. It's, it's become who I am. And, and it's going to take a great healing. It's, and I know Jesus can do it. I know God can do it. And I know he will do it when his timing is right to put me into full-time ministry and to give me that right opportunity. I pray that I got enough faith to take that step when the time comes. And, and, but but it's going to be difficult to take that step. And y'all are no different with things that you've been carrying around, baggage that you've been carrying. It might be unforgiveness. It might be anger in your heart at somebody. It, might, it could be any number of things that you have been carrying for years and you just refuse to get the healing of, to get the healing from. Listen to me tonight. Jesus heals. Y'all say it. Jesus heals. Come on, come on, there's a, Jesus heals. Y'all shout at Alabama football morning, Jesus heals. Jesus heals. 
Jesus heals. He heals you. He is your Savior. He, he, he delivered you from the grave. He delivered you from a death. And He gave you a life, an eternal life. Jesus heals. Jesus is a great physician. He, he's the physical healer of the body. But he was bound for our transgression. He was bruised for our inequities. He, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes are we healed. That's Isaiah 53.5. <coughs> by his stripes we are healed. That's the miracle of miracles. That's the miracle of miracles right there. <coughs> A miracle from God to his children who accept his son. Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's his gift, bought, paid for through the death, the burial, the resurrection of his son. He was beaten. He was scourged. He was crucified for us. I like that line. <coughs> chastisement. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Well, you can get peace. There's peace there for you through Jesus. You know, Aristotle, the philosopher, he lived 300 plus years before Jesus. And he wrote a book, Nicomachean Ethics. This book that if you study philosophy in college, if you get about a third of the way, third of the way through the book, and I, I heard Ravi Zacharias, this is not mine, I heard Ravi Zacharias talk about this this morning. He said, but if you get about a third of the way through that book, and he said that's about as far as most people studying philosophy ever get, is about a third of the way through that book. You read a thing from Aristotle where he says, talks about God. And he says, what if, and remember this is before Jesus, hundreds of years. And he says, what if God, the all-powerful God, the perfect God, what if he chose to come live among men as a man, as a perfect man? He says, what if he did that? He says, we would have no choice as man. We would have no choice but to chastise him. We would have no choice but to punish him. He says, because he's so perfect, he's so beautiful, that all of our infirmities, all of our evil would be magnified to everyone. We wouldn't have a choice. They, they wouldn't have, we wouldn't have a choice. And this was a, a philosopher 300 years before Jesus. We wouldn't have a choice. And yet, that verse, chastisement for our peace, was upon him. Jesus heals. Jesus is the spiritual healer of our soul. 1 Peter 2.24, which plainly attests to Jesus' healing of our spiritual lives. Who himself bore our sins and his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. Wilt thou be made whole? Wilt thou be made whole? They sat there, that, that, that man with the infirmity, he sat there and was waiting on the stirring of the water. Were people healed there? I don't know. It's, the, it's, the Bible says there were people that were healed there, but, but maybe it was just sheep gas in the water. <laughs> it was the sheep market pool. 
I don't, I, don't, I don't know. It's the stirring of the water. But Jesus is the spiritual healing for our soul. What a testimony. Why, how Jesus took the form of a man to, to show us the way to the cross. His sacrificial death, like a Passover lamb, it allowed the forgiveness of our sins. All who partake, all who accept, all who receive him are spiritually healed of their sinful nature. Jesus was always quick after he healed someone to tell them, go and sin no more. How many times did he say? He said that a lot. He would heal them, go and sin no more. You were healed. Of, you, you weren't just healed of your blindness. You, you just weren't healed of your inability to walk. You weren't just healed of your inability to speak. No, you were healed of your sin nature. Go and sin no more. Jesus heals. Jesus heals, Cody. He, he's the healer of relationships. Romans 8.15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Do you realize before his sacrifice on the cross, we were all dead in sin. And because of that death, because of that sin nature within us, we had no relationship with God. God the Father, Abba Father. Jesus' death bridged that gap. It, it bridged that gap. God hates sin. God abhors sin. God won't look upon sin. And yet Jesus made us sin free, restoring that relationship with the Father that as a child of God, in our most difficult times, in our most difficult struggles, we can look up and we can cry out, Abba Father, Lord our Father, help us. Help me today. Talk to me today. Guide me today. Touch me today. Encourage me today. We didn't even know love. We, it, it, it heals not, not just the relationship between you and God, but it heals the relationship between you and other people here. We don't even know. We don't even know what love is until that relationship with God has been restored. Once that relationship with God is restored in your life, you begin to have a new love. You begin to have a new ability within you to love. You, you love in an entirely different way than you ever thought you loved before. You love deeper. You love with more grace and with more mercy. It's a love that, that changes your relationships here on earth. It mends marriages it mends relationships between parents and children. It mends relationships, all types of relationships in your life. Jesus heals. Jesus is the healer of broken hearts and broken spirits. Proverbs 18, 14 tells us, The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear it? Who can bear it? I've been sick. I've been in some pain. I've been in some bad pain in my life. Robin's going through it with her ACL. I was out of work for a year with my ankle, two different surgeries. I have been through some pain. But can I tell you something? That physical pain, that physical sickness, that physical ailment of whatever it is that you might suffer from is nothing, is nothing compared 
to a crushed spirit, to a crushed heart. That's hard to bear. That, that, that's hard to bear alone. It's hard to bear even with a mate or with somebody that loves you. But with Jesus, with Jesus, he, he puts hope. He puts hope in that spirit. He heals that broken spirit. He gives strength to that broken spirit. Have you ever hit rock bottom with your spirit like that before? Have you ever felt so low that there's nobody, I mean nobody else to turn to except God, except Jesus? When we come to the end of ourselves is when we come to the beginning of God in our lives. When we come to the end of ourselves is when we come to the beginning of God in our lives. We begin to be willing to let go of those infirmities, even though it might be our very identities. Putting God first, it puts us on the road to mending that wounded spirit. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and He saves such as have a contrite spirit. Psalm 147, 3, He heals the brokenhearted and binds their wounds. When you get there and you're at the end of yourself and you start turning to God, He's the one that binds that spirit. He's the only one that can bind those wounds. He's the only one that can give the healing that you need. Jesus heals. Jesus heals. Jesus is the healer of the weak. Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 1 John 4.4, little children you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is of the world, in this world. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Galatians 6.9, let us not be weary in well-doing. In due season we shall reap if we faint not. Can I tell you something? God gives you the strength. Jesus gives you the strength. Jesus heals you in your weakness. Jesus heals you when you feel like you can't go anymore. Jesus empowers you when you feel like you can't take another step. When you're serving him, when you're working for him, when he is a part of your life and you are, you are, you are surrendered your life and you are surrendered to him, he gives you every bit of strength that you need, every bit of it. I can't help but think of a young David as he faced the lion and the bear. I can't think of a young David that maybe came up to the belt of the giant as he threw the stone. I can't think, help but think of a, I can't, of a Samson with his hair cut and imprisoned by the Philistines. And yet, and yet God gives him that strength to peel the pillars and pull their temple down. I can't help but think of an infirmed Paul traveling from journey from city to city to city to city, preaching the gospel, preaching Jesus, city to city to city with all of his infirmities, being stoned to death and being brought back to life, all the shipwrecks that he had, all the beatings that he took, all of those type of things. And yet Paul in his weakness and in his infirmities, the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God giving him the strength to go from city to city to city and preach the gospel. He's the healer of the weak. 
You don't have to be weak and powerless. You don't have to be weak and unable to serve. You don't have to be weak. Jesus and Jesus will heal that with you. He will give you the strength if he calls you, if he is within you. He will give you the strength to serve him somehow. It may not be the strength to come out here and paint the church. It may not be the strength to climb on a ladder and clean the windows. But it may be the strength to just lay there in your bed and pray for the saints and to pray for the pastor and to pray for the children in this church that they come to know Jesus Christ. He will give you the strength to serve him. He will. Jesus heals. Jesus is the healer of those that fear. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world do I give, you, give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That's John 14, 27. 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, timidity but of power, love, and self-discipline. Why do we fear? Faith, courage, trust. Chastised, chastised for our peace. Remember that line. There's no need to fear. God's in it. God's with you. What's the song? Who was it we went and saw? Fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. And, and that's true. I know that's a contemporary song, but fear is a liar. And I'm not just talking about fear as you, as you face a giant or fear as you face, as you face a, 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 the lion and the bear, but I'm talking about fear as you are prompted to tell somebody about Jesus. Sometimes that's the worst fear to have. I would much rather, I would much rather have the fear of, of facing somebody that I, that's maybe challenging me than I would to have the fear when that fear and the Holy Spirit prompts you to go have a conversation with this person and all of a sudden that fear sets in. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? How are they going to respond? Can I answer all the questions they got? Am I going to have the right words to tell them about my testimony? And I mean, that's, that's, that, that is a powerful, powerful fear when it sets in. But Jesus will chase it away. Jesus will give you the strength to overcome it. Jesus chastised for your peace. Have peace about it. It's him telling the testimony. It's him telling the story, and it's just using you. Jesus heals. Jesus is a healer of the fatherless, the orphaned, and the widowed. Corinthians 6, 18, 2 Samuel 7, 14. Excuse me, it's 2 Corinthians. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Psalm 68, 5. A father of the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. John 14, 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I don't know what type of childhood everybody had in here. Some of us had real good childhoods. Some of us may have had real bad childhoods. Some of us may, may have had a horrible, horror childhoods. Some of us may have never known our parents. I don't know. But can I tell you something? Through Jesus, when Jesus touches you, when Jesus heals you, when you receive him, you receive a father. 
Now, my parents, I feel like, did a pretty good job of teaching me to love. I had good parents. They loved me. And yet, it wasn't until I came to know Jesus that I truly learned to love. I truly learned what a good father is. What a, my father was a good man. He was a good father. <laughs> Not a father like God. Not a father like Jesus leads me to. Not a father, not a father like God that, that knows my every need, that provides for my every need, for, for everything. He knows every hair on my head. He knows every action that I need to take. He knows every decision I need to make. And he's willing to guide me to all of that. He, I mean, he knows each and everything. And, 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 and that's a father. That's a father. That, that, that's a father to you. Jesus heals and, and leads you to that. Jesus heals and he is the healer of finances. Philippians 4.19 And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. Matthew 6.31 Therefore, do not be anxious saying, we shall, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I know nobody wants to hear a sermon on tithing. <laughs> it's the last thing you want to hear. But Jesus is a healer of finances. Believe it or not, he is a healer of finances. He teaches you to give. And when you surrender and you learn and you start to give as he teaches you to give, he becomes a rewarder and he gives back. And he gives back. I remember Robin and I, we didn't live paycheck to paycheck, Rusty, for many years. We lived paycheck to credit card to paycheck. <laughs> We were in that situation for many years. And, I mean, it was medical. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't extravagant spending. It was needed stuff, but it was just a fact of life. But since we've come back to serve, serving God, since we've come back to the house of the Lord, since we really, truly started living for Jesus and serving Jesus and, and, and living and learning and growing close to Him and learning His ways and sharing and giving and loving to give, being a joyful giver and giving, we don't live pay. We still have the same expenses. We still got the same medical bills. We still got this, you know, the same issues we've always had. But we don't live paycheck to paycheck anymore. It's a, uh, he, heal, he fixes that. He works on you on that. Just, just like he works in all other areas and all other infirmities of your life, he works on your finances. He works on your ability to, to, to have that peace and that joyful life, and, and he fixes it. He makes the gas go further in the cars or the groceries fill you up more. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. It's God. That's all I can tell you. It's God. He heals. Jesus heals. So I want to ask you tonight, what are, you, what are you sick of? What are you ailing from tonight? What is it in your life that you can't shake, that, that whatever evil it is that, that's suppressing you, that, that's keeping you from receiving the healing God has for you? The question is, do you want 
to be healed? Do you want to be made whole? Or do you want to continue to hold on to it? Do you want to continue to hold on to it so that nothing more can be expected of you? A lot of times that's why we want to hold on to things. If I shed this, if I'm healed of this, I'm going to have to become a different person. You hold on to it because you don't want to have to change. I'd rather be miserable and not change than to have to be healed and change. I mean, I'm serious. These are things we, we, we don't consciously think that, but it's the results of our decisions. It's all subconscious. Even though, even though the way you are makes you miserable. Has your infirmity become your identity? Do you want to be healed? Listen, Jesus, my Jesus, has a 100% healing record. AA and A have about a 5 to 10% success rate. At hospital uptown, I, I don't know what it is. I'm guessing they got a 90-something percent stay alive rate. Dr. Phil probably has a 1% success rate. The people nuts come for, to him for help. But my Jesus. Yo, Jesus has a 100% success rate for those that call upon his name, for those that are willing to surrender and kneel at the cross, for those that are willing to have the faith, to trust, to cast those affirmities upon him, to be washed in the blood, to call upon his name, to repent, to repent of that infirmity, to repent of that sin. To surrender. He's got a 100% success rate. Whether it's physical, spiritual, relational, fear, finances, weakness. Jesus has a 100% success rate. His cross, the cross was there for you. The blood was spilt for you. Cast the infirmities at the feet of Jesus. Now think about all the miracles performed by Jesus. All the miracles performed by Jesus in this word. I mean, we hear about them. I was thinking about the song uh, by the Booth brothers. Uh, he saw it all. And it's, I mean, just the, the, the chorus of it. I was trying to catch the crippled man. Did he run past this way? He was rushing home to tell everyone what Jesus did today. The mute man was telling myself and the deaf girl. He's leaving to answer God's call. It's hard to believe, but if you don't trust me, ask the blind man. He saw it all. The blind man, the mute man, the deaf girl, <laughs> the, the crippled man running. All the miracles, all the miracles in God's word. And yet John in 21, 25, he says, And there are so many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, everyone, I suppose, oh, I suppose, that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. That's how John ended his gospel. Now imagine, now look back. You know this. Jesus was not received by his own all these miracles going on all these people following Jesus all these healings going on and he was not received by his own he was not received by the Jewish people imagine 
Imagine how much more, how much more could have been healed? How much more would have been done had it not been for lack of faith, lack of trust, lack of surrender to Jesus? If they had received him, if they had received him, I mean, I'm glad they didn't because it opened it up to us, Brother Rusty. But imagine all the more that he would have done if they would have only trusted and received him tonight. And that's up to you. Do you want to get well? That's the question tonight. That's all I have tonight. We're not going to play music, but we are going to gather for our prayer circle tonight like we do on every Wednesday. Y'all think about that as you pray. And uh, I pray that it's been a blessing to you.